Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello, films to be buried with crew. This is your producer, Buddy Peace. I am again standing in for your regular host, Brett Goldstein, who you're going to be hearing from later on in the episode, of course. But um, this is the next in a series of films to be buried with rewind classics where we dip into the voluminous films to be buried with archives and represent repackage polish up a previous episode uh, in this case jen brister's resurrection episode a fantastic resurrection version of the podcast whereby jen gets resurrected from the dead to come back and answer all manner of questions existential and cinematic. Again, just to reiterate, basically due to the ongoing SAG after a strike, we will be temporarily on pause and that's sort of why we're doing these sort of rewind classics. And it's also sort of it, it, it kind of times in well with a seasonal break which we which we have every sort of 10 episodes or so. Yeah, so this is a really good chance to not only to perhaps be introduced to Jen for the first time, but um if you did miss the resurrection episode, then it's a it's an awesome chance to, to catch up on what those sound like as well. Because I mean, yeah, we don't assume that everybody's heard every episode. So, yeah, a, a really lovely one. This one went out on. I am I am literally looking at the screen as I say this. So this one went out on October the first, twenty twenty. So by this point, we are now in the pandemic episodes. Um, and the Patreon episodes too. So yeah, this is this is of course a really good one. Um, what one that we sort of handpicked from the archives. Also, just to say, um, if you are not already up to speed on the Patreon feature of the podcast, basically on Patreon uh, we do a a video version of the podcast and uh, an uncut and extended version of the podcast too, which has extra questions, a secret, uh, lots more chatter. And um, yeah, it, it's a really fun way of supporting because you get extra stuff. And uh, if you enjoy it, then it's a nice way to sort of show appreciation if you feel like that's achievable and if you if you feel like that's a doable thing for you. 
uh, it's all incredibly appreciated, obviously, and uh, only goes back into the podcast. So, yeah, a huge thanks if you if you do decide to do that. Uh, if you fancy rating the podcast, that'd be awesome too. Uh, but don't leave a review of the podcast. In this case, we ask you to leave a review of your favourite film or of just a film, and um, yeah, make make it make it funky. So that'd be awesome to hear from you that way too. So yeah, please enjoy this resurrection episode rewind classic, and I'll be back at the end with the usual outro business. But um, enjoy. This is episode 271, previously known as episode 115 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. The Resurrection! (laughs) I am joined today... By a comedian, an actor, a writer, a podcaster, a presenter, a legend, a hero, a mother, a wife to me, and apparently someone else, so she says, despite the fact I've seen very little evidence of it. Please welcome to the show, my friend and yours, the amazing, the brilliant, it's Jen Brister! Ah, Brett, I can't believe... You've invited me back onto this. I feel, what a privilege. What a delight. I'm excited. Well, there's no pressure on you, but your episode it, uh, was one of my favourites. And when people say, which episode should I listen to? I say Jen Brister. And now, uh, now they've got a lo- was, another uh, one, lucky, lucky people. Well, that one was recorded in Edinburgh 2018, where, you know, where you're just running from one thing to the next. And you're like, yeah. do you want to do this podcast? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I very sketchily <laughs> prepared for it. And that's code for hadn't. And yeah. the very little notes that I had made, I didn't bring with me. I don't know if you remember. So every time you asked me a question, I went, ah, oh, can I ever think Ooh. about that? You're like, mm, not really, because we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very pausey episode. It made it very dramatic. People were very like, dramatic. Love very difficult pauses. to edit. Um, do you remember Edinburgh? Do you remember Edinburgh? Do you remember live? Do you remember going you remember? out of the house? Remember those days? <laughs> Good old <laughs> days where you'd meet people in the flesh. Um, do you remember live? Do you remember live? Uh, vaguely. Do you remember being in a room where you could stand next to people? And Do you remember bring... other people? Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember the touch? Do you remember the sensation of touch? <laughs> Do you remember shaking hands? Do you remember that? That was, that was disgusting, I mean, wasn't it? Was at the very thought of that now. I mean, I don't know what we were thinking back in the old days where we, we used were to sick and do that air kissing thing. Oh. I mean, that was bad enough, but some people used to follow through. Oh. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. Actually brush their lips against your flesh. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> I did a Birthday Girls podcast. I highly recommend it. And they, every, every week they say, you're legend and dick of the week. And I was like, well, it's either me or the person I live with, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I guess with you, you've got three to choose from. Um, Three others. My legends were my children, which was such a loser thing to, such a loser move on my part. But that was, yeah. I think my dick of the week was Priti Patel. Oh, that's fair. She'd very much been in the, not even on my periphery, she'd just very much been in my face for that day. So I I launched her. That's fair. I I probably should have done that then, throwing my girlfriend under the bus. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do your girlfriend's dick of the week, did you? (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. Jennifer Brister, well, I guess we have to ask this, but your lockdown life, I imagine, is vastly different from mine. What with the fact that you have twin boys? Yes, and, and no school, and yeah. no school. And I... as I watched over your Instagram stories, 
I describe it like watching uh, the film Castaway sped up <laughs> yeah. and gaining traction of madness. And I loved it and I loved it. And I would like to put the whole thing to music. And I think it would be a work of art. I think at one point I was just talking to inanimate objects and they became my friend. The whole of lockdown was so surreal. And I think the only way I managed to get through that was knowing that everybody else was suffering. If there had been some instance where it was like, just Brighton is in lockdown and everybody else is fine, yeah. I would have literally just walked out. Yeah. Bye-bye! Um, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was it was hard. But I mean, like, you know, it was hard for everybody, wasn't it? It was tricky for everyone for different reasons. Even if, you know, it was tricky for me because I didn't get any alone time. And it was tricky mm. for some people who were like, I would really like some company around now. Yeah. I am very tired of my own company my brother was literally on his own for six months bless him so what's he like now is he different is he strange he's an empty shell of a man um no i think he's uh, he's he basically said to me um he's moving out of his flat to he goes um I've got to get a two-bedroom flat. He said, I'll pay more. I'll do anything just so I have another room to walk around. <laughs> because he was working from home. He was like, I'm basically yeah. working, living, you know, watching television. He said, all in the same room. And he said, it was just like being in prison. So, yeah, he's move. He's literally moving house of flat mm. just so he can have it. Because he's anticipating the next <laughs> lockdown. So that when he is going batshit, he can do it in more than one room. Which I think, fair play to you. I think that's brilliant. What I also like is that he didn't think I'll get two bedrooms and get another person in that bedroom so I have another human being he just wanted a a bigger space to walk around on his own he just wanted a bit more space yeah he's a classic brister he doesn't do well in company so (laughs) it's better that he's on his own I respect that how was being a teacher I mean are you tell me this because when people tell me genuinely my answer when people say oh stand up it's so brave and I always go shut up people go I'll be so scared that must be hard I always think being a teacher in my head, is like being a stand-up for eight hours a day with a very heckily nightmarish crowd that you're trying to get to pay attention and yeah. have to entertain them. Like, uh, how did you find, as a stand-up, being a teacher to two fellas? Five-year-olds. I didn't take to it very well. <laughs> I learned very quickly that my children don't respect me, which was quite shocking, actually. <laughs> um, there were occasions where they would be distracted by a plastic cup and they weren't, mm. and I was singing and dancing and doing everything I could to distract them. And then they just look at plastic cup and go, this, this, this plastic cup is yellow, mama. And I'm like, I'm trying to teach you phonics, you know. It was really hard. And there were days where I would I'd wake up in the morning and go, really, come on, Jen, today's the day that we... Mm. We dead poets cited the shit out of this. They're going to really connect with you. We're going to be having, they're going to be like, Mama, when you teach, we learn so much. And every day was like, I want to do a poo. I'm hungry. I hate homeschool. When can I play? Can I watch some telly? I need a snack. Mama, will you hold my hand while I do a poo poo? I need a wee. I'm going to be sick. And it was like, oh, God, I literally want to kill myself. But it was lovely so, to be together and have that time as a family. Really lovely. Um, <laughs> look, jokes aside, honestly, truthfully, it was on one level, it was lovely because as a stand-up comedian, I'm away a lot. And I was about to, I was in the middle of my tour when the whole thing sort of uh, fell apart. And I was going to be away for like mm. between February and May. That was, that was all booked up. I was away for most of it. 
And if you go away a lot, your children, it's not that they don't love you, but they, you, they do sort of become slightly indifferent to you. You're like, you're there, you're not there. You, they, they're kind of used to you going away. So they, mm. do, they know not to rely on you and they know not to sort of invest too much. Mm. And um, so they, they were gradually heading towards, you know, that indifference. But um, the lockdown has meant that I'm back in the room, Brett. Right. I'm back in the room as far as my kids are concerned. So now they rely on you and have, I mean, this sounds like a, <laughs> this, this sounds like a disastrous move. I know. The great thing about being, I mean, you know, for any couple where one of them goes out to work and then they come mm. home and go, I'm so tired and you don't understand how tired I am. Deep yeah. down, they know that they've got it. That they've got it better. They, they, they know that, for you sure. know. So I would come back and go, oh, well, I've been, and I'm tired because I've been, but deep down I knew Chloe was in the shit. So on the one hand, I'm quite glad that I, get, I got to hang out with him. But on the other hand, it's reminded me that being with your children all the time is actual work. And my job is a piece of piss compared to, <laughs> compared to what I've had to do for the last six months. 100%. It's been so hard. So I'm really glad that they're at school. And even if we go back into lockdown, um, I'm still dropping them off there. So they'll have to entertain themselves somehow. I don't know. <laughs> Just wait out there and I'll pick you up at three, okay? All right then, bye. Here's a, here's a plastic cup. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy this. It distracted you last time. Um, yeah, so that's wow. what I'm going to be doing. But look, they're in school now and I do feel more human. I do feel much more human. Yeah. Like I've got a personality and a life again. And, I, and, and that I'm, an, I'm a real person. Because I started you, to forget you who are I am. You are a real person. Is that, do, I, do I look like a real person? I can person? see you. Yeah? Yeah. You sort of... You have the vague aura of a of a human. Why does your head look smaller and my head look bigger? Because I'm a real human. <laughs> you are an avatar. <laughs> you are an approximation of what you think a human would look like and you're trying to pull it off. You do it oh, very right. well. So I've failed at that quite dramatically. No. I really got the perspective wrong. <laughs> my head is way too big and yours is that yours is the perfect pinhead size. My head is actually in real life massive. And I can't wear a hat. One of the reasons I worry about what? being a film director is because, I, you know, you have to wear a cap and I'm not sure I could get one on. You can always get it. You know, they've got those buttons at the back so that, you know, yeah. You can, yeah have you ever tried to use Yeah, but those? have you ever looked at <laughs> someone with one, you know, the last button done up? You... <laughs> do you know, I've seen people and they just feel like, I can't even do the fucking thing up at the back. So it's just, and it's flapping free. Oh, and really? do you know what? those guys embrace it you know the ones that have got like mm. they've almost got like a rectangle sort of like their back of the head has a right angle and, and you know rolls, you, like hot and, dog rolls and hot dog rolls on, the, yeah. on their back of their not even on their neck on their on actual the head, head. <laughs> i really appreciate a, mm. a man that's got head fat because i think you've got to work hard for that you've got to really filled up the rest of you, the, the the head goes, all right, I'll take some. I'll take some of that for you. Yeah, and yeah. usually they're like, it's sometimes I'm like, it's not even that you're like fat. It's just that you're just. I think it's a choice. <laughs> I think it's you have a word with yourself and go, let's put it in the head. I think there are some guys, you know, when they go to the gym and mm-hmm. they take steroids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're taking steroids and they're like, what part of your body do you really want to work on? And they go, I want to work on my pecs, I want to work on my shoulders. I want to work on my biceps, my triceps. Yeah, this is what I'm looking yeah. at. I think there are some men that go, you know that bit at the back of my head? I'd really love to get a little ab up there. <laughs> some oh. sort of muscle. Because you do. can have a three-pack on your head, can't you? You can. You, you can. So there are men going for a six-pack, understandably, mm. and there are some men going three-pack, back of the head, mate, and you're like, three fair place you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, you made me here's, want to take steroids. Here's a protein shake. Good luck. <laughs> 
just inject <laughs> that in your neck. Just inject that straight into your neck. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Bristol, one more question I want to ask you before. I, I want to ask if you've actually done, because I think you have, have you done a human being gig? I've done quite a few human being gigs. I've done human being gigs. I've done gigs in car parks. I've done Zoom gigs. I've done garden, rooftop. I've done them all. I haven't uh, done an inside gig yet, but lots I of was, gigs. Well, so I, I didn't do a car park gig. I saw videos of the car park gig and I would describe it as the bleakest looking thing I've ever seen. It's quite dystopian. It's Doing quite, stand up yeah. to windscreens in the rain as well what i saw so just what i just saw someone what windscreen wipers <laughs> shouting into a void of yeah i don't know if you've ever tried that. yeah just a load of people in a full focus you're like this isn't this is bleak mate i don't want to do this i did one gig that was in a residential area so they weren't allowed to honk their horns i said listen mate you want me to do a gig in front of a load of parked cars that because for anyone yeah, listening... With the windows like, out. Yeah, for anyone listening going, I don't know what you're talking about. Basically, if you yeah. do a gig in a car park with people in their cars, the only way they can let you know if they're enjoying it, obviously, because they're in their car, is to honk their horn. And I was told that they weren't allowed to honk their horn. But instead, the promoter had given them these plastic clackers. Do you know these ones? With the what, hands like little hands? Yeah, so they clack them together like clacker, clacker, clacker. Yeah. So, so if they're enjoying the show, they'll wind down the window and they'll clacker. Clacker, clacker. And I was like, oh my God, kill me now. And before I, no word of a lie, I don't know if you've heard these clacker things, mm. but before I got introduced on stage, if you can't see what's happening, it does sound like this. It just sounds like 200 men vigorously wanking in a car park. Mm. And that was quite triggering for me, actually, as a lesbian. So I genuinely... Also, I don't want to, I don't want to say this, but there's sort of no way of proving that wasn't what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's no. I can't prove it. Brett, why would you say that to me? Because you've just told me a story of 200 men in a car park. I know, pl- but that's supposedly the they all. Supposedly they all had clackers. <laughs> just doesn't. Oh just doesn't my add god, up. so grim. Anyway, it looks like it doesn't really look like anything's going to change too much in the near future. Mm. So that could be the future of comedy. Just us in car parks. Just, just men wanking at us from cars. Oh. Jennifer Brister, you have been resurrected. Do, 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 do. Oh, this is incredible because I did actually die. You died. Well, with all these films. Okay, I'm to back. To Earth. But what point in your life would you like to come back to? Would you what? change anything? Oh my god! Regrets. There's like a million regrets. Could I come back to the beginning of my stand-up career and just start it again? Because there's a lot of things I wouldn't do the same way. Oh my days! I would change a few things. Let me tell you. Oh, I would cut I would... out all the learning bit and just go straight to being a massive <laughs> success. Oh God! I would cut out at least ten years and go. Listen, you didn't need to do all of that shit. What were you doing there? Why were you doing sketch comedy? For fuck's sake, just stick oh, yeah. with the stand-up. What was your sketch show? What was your sketch I, I was working with a friend of mine who is, or certainly was, I don't know, she doesn't do it anymore, a brilliant writer, actor, comedian, just all-round funny woman, Claire mm. Ward. And she was just genuinely better at me, that sketch, than... <laughs> she was just better at me. Um, better at me? She was better like at that. me, Claire. Is that what it's called? Better that, at me. That was the name of our sketch group, actually. Yeah. She was better than me. 
And I was always better at just doing stand up and just chat and improvising and that sort of thing. That was my sort of thing. But Claire was really good at the actual sketch comedy and writing sketches and coming up with original ideas. And that was her thing. Yeah. So we did that for a few years and I just was never very good at it. And I don't know why. What was it called? Well, we were in a sketch group originally called The Loose Connection. And then we just did stuff together as Jen and Claire and Jen. But we were never really called Claire and Jen. What we do is we... We were just Claire Ward and Jen Brister and we'd come on as two performers and then just do our sketches. Right. And we did, we did take a show in 2008 called Reception. But I would, I, I mean, not that I regret doing all of that. There's a lot of stuff, but I would have spent a lot more time focusing on my stand-up and a lot less time pretending to be, I don't know, Gok one. Here's the thing, though, Jen Brister, if you think it through, if you go back to, what year is this, 2008? I would go back as far as 2004. Okay, so it's 2004. You've come back... You're as good at stand-up as you are now, but you started. So you go into a new act competition, you're fucking, everyone's like, what the fuck is this? And you smash it up. Basically, within a year, you've got your own BBC One uh, Saturday show uh, where you're like helping other stand-ups or whatever. And your life is very different. You're playing the O2 within four years. You're, you're a big TV star. You probably lose your way a bit ego-wise. You become some sort of psychopath probably don't have you don't have the kids you have because you've got no empathy (laughs) everything you're saying is probably true actually um if i was to go back to 2004 i would be happily go back to 2004 being a shit comedian but i probably would waste a lot less time with self-doubt and imposter syndrome i would try to get rid of all of that that's what i would try to to, to get rid of and, and accelerate straight through to you can do this Brister believe in yourself that took 15 years and I think that's too long <laughs> I, I quite like can I reduce I'd like to just reduce that to a half is that okay I just see people yeah. I, I see young people doing it in like oh, oh I'm an open micer oh in three years I've got my own show on BBC blah 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 and I'm like yeah. how did you do that it just took me forever yeah, I, really took- res- I really resent my personality and my general just uh, I just resent me I wish I could have sorted all of that crap out sooner. Do you know what I mean? I do know exactly what you mean. And um, not that I don't like your personality or... (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Uh, What I mean is I relate. (laughs) I totally totally relate, yeah. And you see... You are a bellend. Yeah, (laughs) this all adds up. (laughs) This is making so much sense. There was something about you that I just wasn't really connected to. And then I was like, oh, it's your personality. It's it's actually you. (laughs) Uh, no, I do totally get that. And I do think, I think the reason that newer acts are better, I hope, why the standards suddenly seem so much better, I think is because they've seen a lot more, because you see so much more comedy now. There's all the, all the YouTubes, all the specials, all the everything. You have so There's much more, more women access. doing it, yeah. There's a lot more women doing it. And if you started doing stand-up like I did like 18 years ago, there was like two or three women that you could go, oh, I want to be like to you and they were like unicorns do you know what I mean yeah, it just yeah. seemed so difficult to be able to get to that standard and get to where they were that it seemed impossible but yeah I think I hopefully now when if women want to do comedy they can see that it's totally possible I mean it's a miserable life but it is totally oh, yeah. possible. absolutely, absolutely yeah. not recommended but if you have kids it's a great excuse to get out of the house yep you can go that. on tour you can go far away squeeze a couple of kids out first and then mm-hmm. you've got a reason to leave the house yeah love it now, Jennifer Brister, when you were brought back to life, which just happened, but in 2004, the living, they're fucking excited to see you, particularly because you've just joined the open mic circuit and you're phenomenal. Um, I am really good at it. But yeah. they, they want to ask about uh, films. 
which you've had a lot of training because you've been in heaven where they're obsessed. Oh, right. Uh, and so they want to know about fi- films in the future as well as in the past. Yeah, as well as in heaven. It's a very yeah. filmy universe. Uh, first question they ask is, what was the last film you saw, Jen Brister? The last film I saw was not that long ago. It was a few weeks ago. It was The mm-hmm. Peanut Butter Falcon. Love that film. Oh, have you, you've seen, of course you've yeah. seen it. Why am I even asking you? I think you just go on every platform and hoover up any film that has ever been made. Of course you do. I love that film. It's great, I right? I wasn't expecting to love it. Chloe chose it. I like quite a, a bleak outlook on that film. Right. So anything that looks like it might be upbeat, I'm like, mm. I don't think I want to watch that. That that looks like it would cheer me up. I don't want yeah. that. No, that's it was, very off-brand for you. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very off-brand for me. And I loved it. And I've, I've been recommending it to everybody. Someone told me that there was a story behind it, like the guys that created it, that, that wrote it, wrote it for the chap, uh, the young chap that's in it, who is Zach Gottsagen. Gottsagen. Okay. I can't, I can't pronounce his name. Young, a young man with Down syndrome, uh, a young actor with Down syndrome. And they wrote it for him because I think they'd all worked together or they'd all trained together. And he had been a child actor and he sort of went off the rails, started drinking and had a bit of a terrible time. And they wanted to write something for him to get him back on track. And so they, oh, wrote, wow. they wrote the Peanut Butter Falcon for, for him as a vehicle for him which I thought was such a lovely story. But the whole the whole movie I loved. It is a bit, you know, saccharine, but not in a kind of mawkish. I didn't find it to be diabetic-inducing sweet. I just thought it was, I just no. thought they got the balance really, really, you know, spot on. Have you seen Queen and Slim? I haven't. So I'm going to listen. Put it I'm, down. I'm going to note, look, I've got a notebook and everything. Yeah. Look, right, this, we're here for work, Jen. This isn't all a laugh. Sometimes you've got, you, I'm giving you I've homework. got, taking notes. This yeah. is it. Uh, Queen and Slim, which is very different in many ways, but as the same sort of, there's something about it that reminded me of Peanut Butter Falcon in that there's a kind of, the way it's shot and the, the kind of tone of it, slightly, I don't know what the word is, fable, like a fable. It's not quite real that's, life that's consequences. Exactly, and, yeah, it's not entirely naturalistic no yeah it's it's got a story to tell and a fable is the perfect way of describing the peanut butter falcon because there are points in it like his super strength and the bit where he's being what's this what's the name of the actor that's in it Shia LaBeouf he's brilliant in it he's absolutely amazing in it where he's pulling him out of the water on the rope you know there's bits in it where you're like okay you know it stretches naturalism a little bit but the actual story has a there's a morality there's a mo- there's a moral to it and that's why I really enjoyed it I suppose and the acting was great and the connection between the actors I thought was really sweet as well between Shia LaBeouf and Zach was lovely it was really God I'm glad we I'm glad we brought you back to life that's a lovely answer you're welcome Jeb Brister who do you think should play you in the film of your life I think and only because when this I don't know if you guys you guys there's only you there. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Brett, The Whale Rider. Of course you do. Yeah, New Zealand New film, Zealand. The Whale Rider. Well, the young girl that played Oscar, The Whale Oscar Rider. Nominee. Oscar Keisha Castle Hughes. Mm-hmm. When that film came out, everyone went, oh my God, if there was a film of your life, she would play you as a child. And I was like, well, okay. So I'm going to say Keisha Castle Hughes because I cannot think of another actor that could play. Right. Uh, so Keisha Castle Hughes would play, play me. Goes on the open mic circuit, 2004. <laughs> I love it. I love this film. I will watch this film. It's a fable. It's so many layers to this. So she would play me on the open mic circuit, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you'd see her gradual 
a very gradual, incremental, actual glacial rise uh, to middle success. Um, it's a story about not giving up. Never, it's, it's, ever. It's, it's a story that, you know, there's no happy ending, but there's a bit where you go, well, she didn't kill herself and she seems like she's okay. Uh, she's not overeating anymore and she looks like she's back on track. Yeah, fine, fine. She's dealt with a unibrow. Okay, great. She looks... It's a powerful piece. Yeah. I think she would be great. I think she'd capture the... the, Because there's there's a lot of layers to the story. Yeah, and I think she'd pick up my vibe. Both of us are quite beige. Also, when I was in New Zealand many, many years ago, I kept being asked by Maori people if I was was Maori. So um, they were asking me that all the time. And in the film, that will be less less awkward that moment she because she be like, yeah, yeah, I am actually. So, so hang on a second, you're supposed to be half Spanish, sure, whatever. Um, it's a complex piece. It's a complex piece. There's a Venn diagram there, and she's somewhere in the middle. There's Mori, there's Spanish, there's English, there's there she is. She's bang in the middle. She can handle it. And also, you know, you'd need somebody that could carry the weight of this heavy lesbian personality, and I think she could do it perfectly. <laughs> Do you have the personality of a heavy lesbian? I think so. I think there's, you know, there's light lesbians and there's heavy ones. I, f- I feel like my personality is definitely on the heavier side. On the heavy you- spectrum. Yeah. I don't think enough is said about the light and heavy spectrum, actually, when it comes to personalities. No. Where would you where would you sit, sit yourself? I think you're quite in the middle. I think you give off light personality. But I think there's a dark side to you, Brett, which we haven't tapped into yet. Mm. Would you agree? Sometimes there's a furrowed brow. And I think, what's going on under those eyebrows? Yeah. Well, basically, as soon as the podcast ends, yeah, it all comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but is this that... is why I have to keep the podcast to a certain length of time, because I can only maintain this decor. You can only keep it together <laughs> yeah. for this amount of time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what's the film of your life called? Starring Keisha Castle-Hughes? Middle of the Road. Love it. Yeah. Uh, what is the most romantic film you've ever seen? I've never seen you look so panicked. <laughs> I mean, that, wasn't, that wasn't in my preparation you just spoke that on me good look listen i'm very good at improv it was okay really good yeah really good it makes sense the whole yeah. thing makes sense except middle. that in the end you realize not middle you're heavy oh god yeah but that's about weight but that's the message that's, yeah. not weight personality heavy lesbian personality yeah <laughs> heavyweight personality lesbian that that travels that's only traveled to the middle i don't know let's not break it down too much and spoil the too many spoilers. <laughs> Spoil the illusion. What's the most romantic film you've ever seen, Jen Bristol? I have... I, I think... May I say something? I think you pretend not to be a romantic person, and I think you are. I, 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 I am a sucker for a romantic film, but it has to be... It, it's, I think with romantic films, it's all about when you see it as well. So you can see it at a time where you're like, oh, this is just bullshit. Well, I'm not really into this. And then there's another time that you might see that exact same film and it just captures a moment in your life where you're feeling like either you really want to be in a relationship or you've just come out of one and you're feeling a bit vulnerable or whatever it is. And Before Sunrise mm. um, is one of those films that I saw, I was, must have been quite young. It must have been in my 20s. And I saw it and I sort of wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did and I think I watched it with my brother Greg and neither of us certainly to each other would be talking about romantic films and we were always into action films and sci-fi films and stuff like that and both of us just uh fell in love with it and then we've since watched the trilogy 
of the movies. And uh, and I know that every time each we've seen it, we haven't seen the other two together. We've we've ended up talking about it as if you know, like as if we know this couple. <laughs> uh. And also, I love that film also because if you watch the whole trilogy of films, you see because ordinarily that would be the end of their story. Yeah, and you know, you think, oh, how romantic, but that is inevitably when a couple get together, that's the beginning of your story. And I loved all of them. I loved all of the films, and I love and I loved uh, Julie Delpy in particular. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, I, um, I think that's great. The third film is quite incredible. It's so so dark and like it's such a hardcore. It's not. When you compare it to, it's before sunset is the last one, isn't before it? Before midnight. Is the last oh, before midnight. Before sunset is the second one, and before yeah. midnight, that's it. Well, yeah, before midnight, <laughs> it's kind of the antithesis of the first one, really, in yeah. some ways. But it's um, like this is real. This is marriage. This is. But this long is term. this is long term relationships. Is yeah, this is what it does to <laughs> to to you. You have to keep reinventing. You have to accept, in a long-term relationship, you have to accept that you are going to get bored of the person, that they're going to get bored of you, that you're going to have times where you stop finding them attractive. There are times that they very much find you unattractive and that you you might stop and think, oh, is this it? Like is I this- say, you're a romantic. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that that film was like, it yeah. was kind of like, they got to that point where they were like, oh, Jesus Christ. Is this it for me for the rest? Yeah. yeah, you know, and 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 also, I think a lot of Hollywood movies always try to, they shy away from the reality of what relation long term relationships are, and also like if you stick around often, if you do work through all of that, then you come out the other end and it, and you're even stronger and better for it. But that first film, because it's the beginning, and the beginning is where all the romance is, and often all that excitement that you can't ever recreate until you mm. get into another relationship. And I was single at the time. And I just remember thinking it just looked a wonderful thing to be. In, in your experience of long-term life and all the things you just said, do you think it, it's just a cycle? You feel those things and then it goes back up again or is it just a steady decline? <laughs> I think you have to, oh God, it's like therapy, isn't it? I think you have to be really proactive and motivated and you have to want it and you have to work at it. and You have to, and if you don't, then it will end. And that's why I'm all for things like couples therapy and, you know, because the thing that is the hardest part of to keep going in a relationship is communication because all those resentments start to build up and then you don't communicate them and then you can't see a way of getting past them. And then that affects every aspect of your relationship. So I think anyone that's in a long-term, you know, and I'm talking like 15 years plus, will know that you have to really try and you have to want it and I think um having kids makes you go well we can't just you know sack this shit off we need to talk about it mm. so but equally sometimes you can't get past it and that's why there's a bazillion divorces isn't there <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean you know and equally I sometimes think relationships come to a, a natural conclusion and um it doesn't mean that they failed it just means that they've come to an end and that's also what happens sometimes but that trilogy is just so brilliant if people haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. So, Jen. Yes, Brett. What is the best film you ever saw that you never want to see again? I think any sad film. I can't watch sad films more than once. So anything like Schindler's List. Or... So you like a bleak film but not a sad film. Is there a difference for you? Well, a bleak film is sort of dystopian often kind of uh, futuristic or horror, you know, or, you know, it's like some sort of dark sci-fi thing. Or, or, you know, like The Walking Dead or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But something where there's a real story to it, particularly if if it is in any way connected to real life, like Schindler's List, that's a one-time thing for me. I don't need to see that again. I don't need to see, you know, 12 Years a Slave again. I don't need to see... (laughs) That's a one and done. That's the one and done, isn't it? I don't need to see... Bro- I don't even need to see Brokeback Mountain again. Mm. I remember seeing Brokeback Mountain. I loved it. I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought the acting was outstanding. And it completely killed me. Yeah. I was at the end of the film. I was broken. I was... Brokeback Mountain broke me. You were broke. broke I was I was broken back to mountain. Okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever watch that film again. I've never seen Schindler's List again. So, yeah. yeah. I'd say and that's it, fair. You don't want to put that on it's a, not, a loop at a party. No. And the, <laughs> that's, not the one, that's not the one that you have at your 40th, is it? Hey, let's put And all of those Manchester by the Sea, you don't need to see these films again. So... I appreciate them at the time that I watch them. I think they're brilliant. I always think the acting is phenomenal. But uh, one time only. Thank you very much. I think that totally makes sense. Uh, may I say, I think we, we didn't make enough of what an amazing answer you gave previously about romantic film and, and uh, your life. I really appreciate it. Now, next question, Jennifer Brister. <laughs> I love that this is the most seamless podcast. <laughs> 
you know what I mean? I love all the segues go, they, they sort of, they go really it's well into one another. <laughs> so natural. And at no point is there any, gear change, clutch isn't working. Now this one, I think is big for you. Is it? The best action film you've ever seen. I know, you've seen an awful lot of action films. I love an action film. Um God, I, I, my taste in films is basically a 16-year-old boy. I suppose I when you say action, can I include, like, sci-fi films in it? If they're action-y. Okay, all right, Aliens. That is definitely an action film. Yeah, that is, Brilliant probably, answer. That is probably the best action film in the world, Aliens. That's a brilliant a- answer. A- aliens, not Alien, but Aliens. She's not, that- listen, she's not fucking around with Alien, all right? I love Alien. I love yeah. Alien. But I, love, I love Alien, but I love Aliens. I just film. thought in terms of action, it was Bill Paxton in that. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come God. on, Bill. What are you what doing? A, what an absolute doof. But he was brilliant in it. And Sigourney Weaver, obviously, is amazing in it. And it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And there's everything you want in an action film. There's a baddie, that guy from it. My Two Dads. Oh, okay, yes. My Two Dads is in it. One of the My Two Dads. One of the My Two Dads, not the one with the mullet, the other one. In fact, they both got mullets, but the one they with the lesser did. mullet. It the was one the, with the lesser mullet. The shorter one. The uh, Mad About You and My Two Dads. Yeah. Hmm. So he's the baddie in it. He's great. You, yeah. think he's, you think he's quite benign, but then he turns out to be an absolute bastard. There's a ginger cat who doesn't like a cat. Mm-hmm. There's a little girl that gets saved. Yeah? Yeah. Right? Doesn't there, make it very far, though, does she? There's Sadly. a little Hispanic lesbian. Yeah. Who's maybe not a lesbian, but she needs to tell her haircut that. Uh, there's <laughs> Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. There's the other handsome chap whose name I never know, who is in it as well. You know, yeah. the one, what's his name? There's loads of action in it. And also there's aliens in it. And they're awful, awful people. And they mean. They're so, and I don't. That... They mean, the aliens. Also, it's, mean. it's bad enough that you've got two mouths. I mean, that's greedy. Mm. But acid for blood? Come on. So where's all this slime coming from the whole time? It's the whole time. Slathering and... Just have a fucking wash. I know. And also it's like, God, it's just dreadful table manners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the main thing I often think is like, what? Like you never towel off? No. (laughs) But if they did, because of all the slime, you'd get all those little towel Mm. balls, wouldn't you? It'd be a very gritty towel up. Yeah, it would be. Jen Brister, of all the films, if you had to... And you could. Okay. Which film do you think you could have made and why? Well, I used to think mm. I could make something as brilliant as Abigail's Party. Now, look, I couldn't. Good answer. I, I could think not. you could. I believe in you. Abigail's Party, I was obsessed with for quite a long time. I remember when I saw it, I thought if I could make a film like this or a play, that was a, a brief obsession of mine, was trying to write something. And I ended up writing something that was basically Abigail's Party. <laughs> <laughs> so you could make you know, it. Yeah, I could. I could, make, I, could, I, could, I, could, I could make a really shit version of Mike Lee's Abigail's Party. That would probably be, if I was going to write a film script, that would be the closest thing I could imagine myself writing towards. Yeah, something I be, like I, that. I believe it. I've just remembered that I saw you in Trevor Locke's play in Edinburgh. But you were the perfect. Oh, place. the one and the the one and the many. Yeah, I don't know what I did. I played a few parts. Jen <laughs> uh, Brister. Yeah. What film have you pretended to like to impress people? Le Quatre Sans Coup by Francois Truffaut. Ah, 
I studied Very good. New Wave French cinema at A level, so I had Very to good. watch. I had to watch a lot of uh, Francois Truffaut's films, and Le Quatre Cent Coups was one of the films I had to write uh, like a five thousand word essay on. Dear God. And I didn't really, I think I watched it when I was like 16. And so I didn't really get it. I didn't really enjoy it. And then I remember like, I don't know, 15 years later being at some sort of boring dinner party or something and someone talking about Truffaut. And I stupidly went, and I can't really remember anything of it, you know, it's 15 <laughs> years later. And they were like going, oh, I love New Wave French cinema. And I went, oh, I, I studied Truffaut. At, um, and then that was it. We went deep. And I had nothing. I had a very superficial rem- remembering of any of his movies and really struggled through that. And I had to pretend I loved Le Quatre Sans Coup when I remember watching it being bored out of my mind. So I think if I watched it now, I'd enjoy it a lot more, but I don't remember loving it. Do you think it, they then. knew? Do you think you got away with it? They didn't know. They didn't know, no. Well done. It was a very uncomfortable conversation, but I think they went away. Also, I did that lot of that thing. I was like, what did you, how did you feel about blah, blah, mm. blah? You know, I did a lot of question asking. And Very then that, that, tri- that triggered some memories, which meant I could blag it. So I looked like I wasn't a complete <laughs> Philistine, which I am. That's very good. Have you ever got into any of that new wave? Uh, yeah. Have I, do I like any of it? I mean... <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... I think I'd be at that dinner party with you going, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then you're like, do you know what? Take yes. it or leave it, mate. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, what's Have you seen Aliens? <laughs> Jen Brissett, what is a film that you've never seen that you think it's mad you've never seen it? Quadrophenia. That is mad. Jen Brissett, what is the film you love <laughs> that you don't expect anyone else to like? The Lord of the Rings. You've come the, to the right place. The Lord of the Rings. It's just Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings. You've, yeah, Lord of the Rings. You're talking to the right person to because... I you hate it. Let's listen, I admire it and respect the time management that it must have taken to make it. <laughs> it's a huge achievement, hugely achieve it's huge. I can't yeah. I can't criticize it. All I can say is it's not for me. No. The story li- of things walking along for twelve hours. Literally- one thing in another thing. <laughs> I don't know anyone that likes that film. Right. The amount of times I've said I, I can't remember. There was a point in my life, I mean, I haven't watched it for many years now, but there was a point in my life where I would just get down and every year I had it on a box set. I'd go, I know what I'll do. I'll watch Lord of the Rings. And I'd sit and watch all three films, like like 12-hour marathon or whatever it is. Not that long, but, you know, ridiculous amount of time. And then I I let that out once. I let that cat out of the bag. I know to keep that cat well in the bag, by the way, now. And people looked at me like I'd literally, like, shat in my hand and thrown it in their face. They were like, what are you watching Lord of the Rings for? Are you 11? Why are you watching that? What, a load of hobbits with the, oh, I'm a small person with furry feet. It's gone for a long walk. Oh, I'm a wizard. I'm an orc. Actually, it's really racist. Why are the orcs black? Have you even thought about that? Oh, check your privilege. And I'm like, do you know what? I hadn't really, just thought it was like a fantasy. I just, it was escapism and you've really ruined it for me now. So I do appreciate it. It's not for everyone. That's really, really good of you. And and the thing is, you're going to dinner party with people who like fucking Francois Truffaut. So yeah, why would you bring up Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's not going to. Then I mean, keep that shit. I'm glad you like. Listen, I think it's a popular uh, uh, trilogy. Well, the only other person I know that enjoys it is Kerry Godleyman's husband, and that's what we bond on. The fact that, oh, we that makes like me love him even more. Yeah, he hates it. I mean, she hates it. Don't tell Kerry; she won't enjoy it. 
No, it's it is, it is really boring. What is the uh, <laughs> what is the film you would show a lover as a test to see if you should be together? Basically, what's a deal breaker if they didn't like it? You're like, forget it. Well, nothing really, because we come on, grow up. I- <laughs> I'm just established that I like Lord of the Rings, for God's sake. So if I have any deal breakers, I'm going to be single till the day I die. Um, I suppose another Mike Lee film, it would be Life is Sweet. Great. I've watched that film like 20 times and I never not like it. And even though now, like the, I, when I first watched it, it had just come out and it felt really like current and mm-hmm. modern. And you watch it now and it's like sort of early 90s. It looks so like, it looks like it was a million years ago. And I just loved it. I thought it was so beautiful. And I loved the family in it. And I never not cry with the bit with Jane Horrocks and uh, Alison Steadman in the bedroom. I'm just swelling up thinking about it. I love it. I just love that movie. Timothy Spall. Oh, just, well, no, but seriously, I did. I really enjoyed it. And I, I would I would highly recommend people to watch that. But it is really dated now. And you would break up with Chloe if she didn't like it? I don't even know if she's seen it, actually. I've got oh, it. I had high risk now. Yeah, I had it on DVD. I did have it on DVD and I lent it to someone and I don't remember who I lent it to and I never I never got it back. But the acting is it, it's brilliant. And, and also it's a story really where nothing actually happens. Very yeah. little happens in it. But it's a story of this family and their relationships. And it's a very young Claire Skinner and a very young Jane Horrocks in it. And actually Jim Broadbent and Alison Sedman are, are reasonably young in it as well. Timothy Spall. Mm. It's brilliant. It's really good. That's lovely. Uh, Jen, what is the film that made you the most uncomfortable? Oh, okay. So the film that made me the most uncomfortable, I suppose, was I watched The Shining Mm -hmm. when I was probably 13 or 14 with a friend. And I was terrified the whole way through the film more because I was, I think it was the first sort of horror film that I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to admit to my friend that I was absolutely shit in the bed the entire way because she, and I think she probably was as well, but she was like, you know, it was literally zero expression on her face. Whereas I was like, felt like I was going to die of a heart attack the whole way through. And that was the most uncomfortable viewing because not only was I genuinely terrified, I wasn't allowed to signal any terror, you know, show yeah, no weakness. Yeah. And after watching it, I remember thinking, well, maybe if I watched it again, I would be less scared. And then I watched it again, <laughs> I was just scared. <laughs> but there was a couple of scenes that stayed out in my mind. Uh, obviously, the red rum and him writing all work and no play next to a dull boy. And the scene with the decomposing woman in the, the bathtub. The woman in the bath is very... Uh, th- those all of those images yeah. and, and the twins, the flashing those girls. All well, of those you've in- got twins. Has that affected you? <laughs> well, mine aren't, aren't identical. Uh, yeah. So also get them to stand still next to each other for any amount of time. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> um, or quiet. That those images sort of stayed with me for decades. And ultimately, with The Shining, it's probably a classic horror film because it's everything's happening in your brain. Everything is, it's all the suspense and the horror that is happening is what is in your imagination rather than like some sort of porn gore, you know, like you get with Saw or... Yeah, that. I hate the old porn gore. Those, do, you know, do you know what I mean? I I'm not into that. I don't like, I'll, I'll be like, call me old fashioned, but I don't like gore with my porn. I like it <laughs> just <laughs> gore free. I know, I'm a, I'm a square, I'm yeah. a square. Listen, Brett, I'm with you. If I'm going to watch 
gore. I don't want porn with it. That's, that's I'd agree it. with that as well. That's yeah. fair. I just want the gore. To take the porn out, thanks. Yeah. Everything in its place. Yeah. Look, people say, listen, Jen, your trouble is you compartmentalise too much. And I'm like, yeah. I think on this case, it's... I think when it comes to porn, gore, porn and gore, poor gore. <laughs> Separate boxes, please. Separate boxes. Oh, there's some lovely looking gore over there. <laughs> Put yeah. that away. Yeah. Oh, some lovely oh, looking porn. Some lovely looking porn there. Great. <laughs> I know which one I'm going to tackle first. Sorry, did you see that porn? It was very lovely looking, actually. <laughs> oh, some lovely looking porn. Thank you, the internet. If... <laughs> you could show a child only one film what would it be well i'd show them any number of films but the muppets and probably the muppet christmas carol Jen um, now, you have one. basically the muppet christmas carol i remember i bought it for the kids last christmas and i put it on and i said kids this is a film that I used to watch when I was little and I loved it. And then I realised it was made in 1992 and I was 17. So I thought, hang on a second. Um, yeah, you weren't little when you used to watch that. You were heading towards being an adult, you mm. complete freak. So that just says a lot about me that I watched that at 17 and loved it. <laughs> but yeah, I stand by the Muppets for, for everything. I think they're fantastic. Jen Brister, here's a twist for you. Watch my screen. I pretend, oh, we're doing a film podcast because I'm so vertigo. Doink. Oh, you've got the Muppets on your wall. I w- Where did you get that from? I want that. I want it. I, <laughs> I want it. Oh, no. oh, so you did, you did enjoy Lord of the Rings, uh, eh? I want the posters. <laughs> <laughs> Give them to me. <laughs> uh, look. I talk about it far too much, so I'm not going to, but let's keep it brief. Just so you know, I genuinely believe that The Muppet Christmas Carol is probably the greatest film ever made. Oh my God, Brett, this is why you're my husband. Yeah. This is how, I think, this is what I, our relationship is built on, is our love of The Muppets. Yeah, I watch it at least once a year. I've no, I've, you know, I've seen it a lot. I've seen it, I've studied it. I've seen it, I'd say, 30 times minimum. And it's fucking every aspect, directing, writing, acting, all the Muppets are incredible in it. Michael Caine's best performance he ever gave. Yeah, I and think, the story, Christmas Carol's the greatest yeah. story ever told. I was, that's what I was going to say. I don't think you can you can beat that for a, a Christmas parable, can you? That is like, that is the best possible story for Christmas. I showed it to my kids and 15 minutes in, they were bored and walked off. But this year, I think they're, they're going to... They're going to tap into it. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. 
I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Jen Brister, right. God, I've loved hanging out with you, and I want to do longer, but I uh, we can't because you have you've got to go and pick up the kids from they've just been you've left them at a school gate where there's no school on and well they've got a plastic cup Brett we've already established that yeah. so why I keep going on about it okay that's true now I've brought you back to life and I haven't decided I think I'm going to let you live oh, at least a while longer thank you but just in case something uh, were to happen there's a lawyer here he'd like to know what if you could have one DVD to leave to your loved ones in your will what would it be it would have to be Muppets Christmas Carol. I have to be. I don't understand how I could go. God, in I might. I might kill you again just so that your loved ones get that. Get that film. Well, yeah. think about. I think about. It. I'm going to leave you to live for just for now. Okay. Um, it's a relief actually because I don't know if you've noticed, but I've just hit middle of the road and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to go back down again. That would be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And a peach, need, uh, basically. Jennifer Brister, is there anything people should look out for? Is there any car parks they should be driving to? Is there anything you would like to plug? I have my book. Uh, the Other Mother, please read my book. It's available at all good bookshops. I have, a, I have a special on uh, Soho On Demand and Next Up called Meaningless. And Brett, is it okay? Can I plug my podcast? Is that absolutely Oh, out? of course uh, you can and you should. I have a podcast which I do with Alison June Smith and Maureen Younger called uh, WTB, which is an acronym for Women Talking Bollocks, which you can pick <laughs> up at wherever you get your podcast and you can pick it up. Pick it, pick her out, pick it. You can. You don't pick podcasts up, do you? You listen to them, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you put down your phone, you could pick it up and listen That's to right. the podcast. If you put down your phone and it's on your phone, then you can pick it up. Pick up our podcast. Um, Joe Brister, Brett can Goldstein. I say it? I love you. I love you too. That's why we married. Thank you for doing this again. You've been oh. an absolute dreamboat. Brett, it's been a bloody pleasure. This is the only time I've ever been invited back onto a podcast. This may be the oh only time I've, I'll ever be invited back on. And it's been an absolute blinking treat. And let's just say there might be a trilogy. <laughs> uh, have a wonderful uh, life. And you I too. will <laughs> stop the recording now. Goodbye. Bye-bye. 
So that was episode 271 of Films to be Buried with, previously known as episode 115. Please visit Brett's Patreon page at uh, patreon.com slash Brett Goldstein, um, where you get the uncut and extended episode of the podcast. And there is a video option too, which is always awesome. And um, yeah, really, really nice to get a visual on the episodes. Uh, there's a huge archive there. It started a little way into the podcast, but um, there's so much stuff on there. So it's awesome. So yeah, you will not be disappointed. Thanks so much to Jen for being resurrected on this Rewind Classic. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to me for editing and production, um, which I'm getting used to saying as a sentence at the end of the podcast. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting the podcast. Thank you to Adam Richardson for the artwork and to Lisa Lydon for the photography. Join us next week for another fabulous, of course, episode of Films to be Buried with. But until then, that is it for now. Have a lovely week and please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.